Welcome to the Lake Show Life Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your hosts, Jason Reed and Daniel Preciado. On the same day that I posted an article that the Denver Nuggets would get swept by the Los Angeles Lakers, um, the Los Angeles Lakers have dropped game three. Uh, it kind of made me eat crow right away, kind of looking a little bit foolish. But after going up 2-0 in the series, I really thought the Lakers were going to pull away with a sweep, kind of put my neck out there. And uh, Daniel, I think I reverse jinxed it because, or not even reverse jinxed, I think I just normally jinxed it because the Lakers dropped game three um, and it was not a pretty performance. Yeah, not great, Jason. I, I blame you for the loss tonight. That That's completely fair, man. I mean, Look, we last episode, we did miss uh, game two, uh, hand up, that's our fault, but um, we called them the Denver Nuggets, and I went one step ahead and said the Lakers would sweep them, that the Nuggets had no chance of even winning a game. Um, I just look foolish, and you know, if there's any Nuggets fans listening to this that are kind of, I told you sewing, um, you were right, but to be fair, Lakers are still up 2-1, so I wouldn't uh, get too excited just yet. Yeah, the Lakers just didn't look great tonight. I mean, they still have a commanding 2-1 lead in the series. Uh, but, you know, overall tonight wasn't the best showing. Yeah, they showed up late, but, you know, it was a little <laughs> little too late for their, uh, for their great performance down the stretch. Yeah, and one thing I took away just from the get-go, um, they just looked sluggish all night. It was just one of those games where not everything seemed right. I don't know if, you know, they got – not a good night's sleep the night before. You know, I'm wearing a fitness watch. I actually just started wearing this the other day just because I want to track my sleep. I don't know if they're wearing one of those. Maybe they didn't get enough deep sleep. Um, you know, it's important to get a lot of deep sleep, everyone. Uh, but they just look sluggish from the get-go. Um, the shooting, the free-throw shooting, and the three-point shooting was both pretty bad. Uh, I believe they shot 26% from three-point. I think it was 23% from three-point. Brutal. 63% from the free-throw line. Um, AD was rock solid from the line as always nine of 10. Um, but everyone else kind of didn't contribute. LeBron only got to the line twice. Danny green got to the line twice that both of them made one of two. Um, Rondo one of three, Dwight Howard zero of one, but it was the shooting. It really was. If this is a game where if the Lakers make four more three pointers, if they make 10 of 26, just basic math right there, we're at 115, 114. you make three more free throws and you're up to 118, 114. So, you know, it's one of those games. Yeah, definitely. It's just overall not great. I mean, I didn't even know that they shot that poorly from three until I looked at the box score. Didn't really realize how poorly they were shooting from the free throw line because it seemed like Anthony Davis got most of the free throws. He had by far the most on the night with 10. He went nine for 10. So, you know, just seeing him knock him down, I was thinking that, oh, they didn't do so bad from, uh, from the free throw line. But upon a second look, I mean, 14 for 22, it just isn't going get, to get it done. You're leaving so many points out there on the uh, on the court. And then on the other hand, <laughs> Denver Nuggets, 23 for 29 from the free throw line. You know, that's going to get it done and shooting 38% from three. Yeah. Like, those are really, really solid numbers. Yeah, and it also helps when you get uh, 26 points from Jeremy Grant of all players. Um, you know, we said going into the series, it was kind of important to limit Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. And they've kind of done that. This definitely was the best combined game, I would say. Game two, uh, Murray had a good game. I mean, Jokic had a good game. Uh, Murray had 25. He didn't shoot well from beyond the arc. But, um, you know, they had a good game. But I think, you know, the Lakers did enough to kind of keep them from having that massive game that wins games. But then when you get 26 points from Jeremy Grant, you know, that's the kind of thing that will decide a playoff game. So 
that's kind of what happened tonight. Yeah, definitely. Man, I just want to touch on something. Yeah. Before uh, we get into everything, the foul calls tonight were absolutely horrible. Yeah. They were they were calling everything, like literally everything. Any kind of incidental contact was immediately a foul. Anybody try to play, you know, tough defense, it was a foul. And yeah. it's kind of been like that the last two games. I just counted it up right now in game two, a combined 52 foul calls between the two teams. And tonight it was 47. It was nowhere near that mark on uh, the Rockets and Blazers series, I believe. I ran the numbers earlier. I think there was an average of 32 between mm-hmm. both teams called uh, in those two series. Okay. And 52 and 47 is a lot of fouls. You know, you yeah. can't really get in a rhythm and flow like the Lakers kind of need to with their transition O and trans- transition D at, at times. You know, there's no flow to the game. It's hard to really find your flow as a team. Yeah, and uh, we kind of benefited, or the Lakers benefited, I should say, from that in Game 1. Uh, we touched on it after Game 1 because there was a lot of uh, controversy for non-Laker fans about the calls the Lakers were getting in that second quarter and Joe Kitchen and Murray getting in foul trouble and whatnot. And I said, you know, it's one of those things where the officiating was bad and, you know, the more experienced team kind of took advantage of it and they put themselves in a position to take advantage of it. Um, tonight, it wasn't so much the case. You know, it kind of came back to burn the Lakers a little bit. Um, same thing, you know, I don't want to overly like, you know, cause we, the Lakers were helped in game one. I think they win in game one, even without that second quarter and those, some of those questionable fouls that were called, but definitely hurt them in this game. And it's something, you know, to watch because that can definitely, you know, narrow the gap between talent and whatnot, you know, bad officiating. Um, even when it goes both sides, you know, you're not letting, especially the Lakers, a team that is still holding on to that physical style of basketball, getting near the rim, you know, LeBron James driving, whatnot. Um, that hurts them more than a team like the Nuggets, which, you know, can shoot from beyond the arc a little bit better. And, you know, it's a little bit more of a finesse game. So it is something to note. Um, but yeah, I've noticed it too. A lot of fouls. <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been kind of tough to watch just from, you know, a fan perspective, watching a basketball game. It's just, it's not the style of basketball you want to watch. You know, it, it almost looks like guys are trying to win Oscars out there instead of uh, put ball, <laughs> make shots. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, maybe, just maybe, since the NFL has started, uh, the NFL was not active during the Lakers-Rockets game. They're watching these NFL refs. We know NFL refs can be a little uh, penalty heavy. So maybe they're just getting a little bit inspired. Scott Foster's watching. And he's like, man, I need to call more fouls because they're beating <laughs> us in the penalties department. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it was just, it was one of those games, like I said, sluggish. Uh, LeBron had a 30-point triple-double. If you just look at the box score, just basic you know, box score, you could say it's his best game of the series. He was really good in the first half of Game 2 and then kind of was, fell off in the second half. Um, but he had 30 points, 11 assists, 10 boards, 2 steals, 2 blocks. Um, but most importantly, he was a little bit inefficient. He had 6 turnovers. Uh, he was 1 of 4 from 3, um, You know, kind of doing his LeBron thing, you know, shooting 3s maybe when he shouldn't. Um, so you know, it, was, it was one of those games. What did you take away from his performance? I thought he did good overall, but down down the stretch in the fourth quarter, uh, he was making a couple careless passes. I would say that two or three of those turnovers came in the fourth quarter. I think he got a little bit excited of, uh, you know, he's trying to run that transition offense as the primary ball handler. There was one pass where he tried to make to KCP cutting in the lane. Um, it was like a three-on-three fast break, and it the pass wasn't even close. He pretty much passed it right into the hands of Jamal Murray, I believe it was. And he just seemed a little over, like not overconfident, um, overexcited out there, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, but overall, the performance was great. I mean, 14 to 23, you'll take that from LeBron. Absolutely. Um, 
just overall, you know, it was fine. He led the team in every statistical category. Um, another thing, just looking at the box score, I want to touch on, he had 10 rebounds. Anthony Davis had two. Yeah. So the Lakers had 25 total rebounds tonight. Yeah. That's ridiculously low. Yeah. The Denver Nuggets had 44, which is a pretty average mark. But to get out-rebounded by 19 boards is insane. I don't think I've ever seen a differential like that in a playoff game or a non-blowout game. Yeah, it is It is weird. Um, just looking at the offensive rebounds, um, the Nuggets had nine offensive rebounds opposed to four for the Lakers. You know, you could correct me if I'm wrong. You know, I don't really necessarily, you know, I don't study offensive rebounds in the regular season, how many teams are getting. Nine definitely feels like, a decently high number for the nuggets, but it doesn't feel like a number that would cause a 19 rebound, you know, differential is nine, you know, cause like I said, the Lakers have four, isn't like the average amount for a team around like six or seven is nine that much higher than I think it is. Or yeah, I think it would be five or six. Yeah. So, I mean, that means nine isn't insanely high. You know what I mean? It's obviously they had a good mm-hmm. night on the offensive glass, but it wasn't like they weren't hauling in a dozen offensive boards. So, Oh, you know what? I'm actually looking at it right now. Uh huh. This past season, the Lakers averaged 11, 10.7 offensive rebounds per game. Well, there it is. And the Denver Nuggets averaged 10.5, so pretty close. Lakers were fifth in the league. Denver was ninth in the league. Yeah, so, I mean, that kind of, you know, explains it right there because if the Lakers get their six extra offensive rebounds that they're used to getting – uh, that brings their total rebound total up to 31, which still isn't a lot. That also brings Denver down to 38, which is more of a livable, you know, 31 to 38 differential. Um, but yeah, it was interesting because all playoffs, you know, it's been the Lakers of the bigger team. They could take advantage of that, dominate on the glass. They still had more points in the paint, but on the rebounding department, it was just really weak tonight. And that's another one of those things, you know, the Lakers look sluggish. Like I said, uh, if they rebound better, if they get 10 more boards, uh, five to 10 more boards, even, um, this could be a completely different game. So it's just one of those things, you know, they didn't really play well in terms of their strengths. And then they also didn't play well in terms of, you know, sometimes their weaknesses where they've been shooting better in the playoffs and whatnot. We've seen the three games they've lost now, both in the first series, the second series, and now all three of those games, there was one common denominator and that was the shooting was just not good. Um, 23% is just not going to cut it. So I think that's really boils down to it at the end of the day. Um, Rajon Rondo though, he did go 0 for three from three. But his defense at the end of the game nearly led the Lakers to uh, one of the best playoff comeback wins if they would have won, I think, in recent playoff history. Um, what did you think of Rondo's performance tonight? Yeah, Rondo, you know, he did a really good job of facilitating per usual. I mean, he had eight assists tonight. His defense wasn't great until the, the second half, I yeah. will say. He pretty much led the team in the fourth quarter with his defensive play. He gained the momentum single-handedly for the Lakers. I mean, he was just being a pest on defense. He was harassing Jamal Murray. I mean, he got uh, fouls called on him a couple times because it was it was genuine harassment. I mean, he's in his face. <laughs> but uh, Rajon Rondo overall defensively looked great. I mean, I, I will take that any day of the week. I know we've kind of laughed at his defense and laughed at playoff Rondo, but, you know, if he's able to contribute what he's been doing, uh, if the Lakers are fortunate enough to make the NBA Finals here, you know, I – I see him as a really, really big contributor. Got 29 minutes tonight, and he deserved every one. Yeah, offensively, he wasn't, besides, you know, he was doing good facilitating. But in terms of scoring, he wasn't as good as he has been in the playoffs. But I don't think we should necessarily expect that from Rondo. 
Um, four of 10 shooting 40% isn't fantastic. It's not bad, but it's not fantastic. Um, oh, from three from three. Again, if he hits two of those, this game's completely different. Um, it like, I keep saying it was one of those nights, man. I'm just looking at the box score. I, I hate sounding like a broken record, but you know, four points from Danny green, uh, 12 points from KCP, which honestly, you know, you'll take that. Um, 11 points from Kuzma. Kuzma did not look good in this game, Daniel. Would you agree? Yeah, Kuzma, he really looks scared. I was talking to a couple of people that were watching the game also. And you know what? He just didn't seem like he belonged on the floor at times. I mean, there were a couple, there were two possessions in a row. <coughs> excuse me. You're excused. Where he was left open for, uh, for a three pointer, back to back possessions. And he was going to pass it up both times. He ended up shooting both of them, I believe. I know no, he pump he only faked a wide open three. <laughs> yeah, he, he had a wide open three. He was going to pass it up. He got the guy in the air, but the hesitation, I think, was what made him miss. There was another time where he had a wide open three, and for some reason, he passed out of his shot to LeBron. And I was just like, what are you doing? You know, like, you're wide open. Although he's not the greatest shooter in the world, he can knock down an open three. Like, we've seen Kyle Kuzma knock down open threes. Any player in the NBA that is, calls himself a routine three-point shooter can knock down the shots that he was willing to pass up. And I didn't really like to see that from Kuzma tonight. Yeah. And you know, he's really the only inexperienced player on this team. I mean, KCP doesn't have, you know, much, if at all playoff experience before this year, but he's still been in the league for quite some time. Uh, Caruso's a little bit more inexperienced than Kuzma, but Caruso's more of that dog. Uh, he wasn't really good offensively. We'll touch on that in a second. Um, you know, but it's, he's never great offensively, I would say, but you know, Kuzma talk about my boy Caruso like that. <laughs> Kuzma's, Kuzma's the most inexperienced. And we kind of saw this with the Clippers. Uh, oh, we got to remind everyone. Clippers blew a 3-1 lead. Um, you know, some of the guys down the stretch, especially in that game seven, just looked, you know, deer with deer looking into headlights. They had that look like, you know, they didn't want to be the guy that misses that shot. You know, they just didn't look like they wanted to be there. They looked scared. Um, Kuzma kind of had a little bit of that feel tonight. Um, I don't think he's a player that's necessarily going to harp on that and moving forward is going to be afraid to take a shot or whatnot because we've seen Kuzma, you know, take his fair share of crazy looks that he probably shouldn't take and whatnot. But yeah, it was interesting. He definitely showed his inexperience tonight. And you know, it, like I said, for the 10th time, this podcast, it's just one of those nights. It's going to happen. It's a game of basketball. When you get a dumb blogger writing that you're going to sweep the team in the Western conference finals, you might drop the game that night just to make them look stupid. So it happens. Um, <laughs> I mentioned the purple and gold players. Your gold player, as always, is Alex Caruso. Um, doing his thing on defense. Can't really harp on him there. Offensively, didn't love what I saw out of him. Uh, one from seven from the field. Oh, from four. Oh, from four. Oh, for four from three. Um, that's tough. I mean, I know he's not a great shooter, but when you look at him and Rondo as a combined oh, for seven from deep, um, that's not great, man. That's not great. Um, you know, what do you thought? On your boy Caruso, can you say, you know, one not positive thing about Caruso? Is it possible? His offense was awful tonight. Yeah. I will say that. But I think that the reason why he went 0 for 4 from 3 is because he seemed to be open. I mean, he's not a focal point on the offense. The Denver Nuggets know that defensively. Yeah. Um, he was left open with less than five seconds on the shot clock multiple times from three. And I think the Lakers just kept finding him and hoping he would knock it down, you know, kind of bail them out of a bad possession. Yeah. I think that contributed to why he had such a poor shooting night. I mean, he should be knocking down these shots, at least one or two of them. Um, but you can't really expect any offensive contributions from him. And I've kind of taken that, you know, with with stride because you know that he's not an offensive-minded player. He's there 
to play defense. And his defense, like, if you were to look at how many points Jamal Murray scored alone on Alex Caruso, it was probably a lot. But there were so many times where he was, like, right in his face and Jamal Murray hit very tough shots. Yeah. Um, so I don't really discredit him on the defensive end. But, you know, the offensive end, he's he was a negative tonight. And I, I will say that as a Alex Caruso stand, bona fide Alex <laughs> Caruso stand here. Yeah, man. Um, my gold player, Markeith Morris, didn't really do much. Uh, he only got 11 minutes. He did make his only three. Uh, he's been really good from three all playoffs. We've talked about that last episode. He did have a negative 13 plus minus, or I should say minus 13 plus minus, in only 11 minutes. Uh, whether or not that's directly attributed to him, you know, who knows. Um, didn't do much, you know, was kind of a non-factor here. The Lakers don't need him to be a huge factor, but, you know, just because he's my gold player, I was a little upset to see him, you know, not make that difference that I saw him make in game one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It, the Lakers haven't been exactly banking on contributions from Markeith Morris, but for him to actually only play 11 minutes and really not make much of an impact kind of hurt the Lakers. I don't think the plus minus was a direct, uh, you know, result of Markeith Morris being on the floor, as you mentioned. Um, I thought he should have gotten more minutes no matter what. He, he's been great. I, I just yeah. I don't see why he would, you know, be the bottom of the team with McGee in terms of minutes. Yeah, and, you know, you could make the case that maybe take five minutes from Kuzma, get him at 21-ish, uh, get Markeith, you know, up to 15, 16. Um, but the Lakers are going to kind of, you know, Frank Vogel's going to go with Kuzma, you know, with the bigger role because Kuzma's been there for three years. He's, you know, been the guy that's been around. Markeith is kind of the newer guy. Kuzma's uh, ceiling is higher than Markeith's is, but, you know, we mentioned it last time, Markeith kind of gives the Lakers a natural replacement option almost next year for Kuzma if they do explore a Kuzma trade, and he could have taken some of those minutes and maybe been better than Kuzma. Um, who knows? You know, this is a what-if equation. You know, we can't really necessarily bake on that, but who knows, man. As for our purple yeah. players, uh, Paul Millsap and Gary Harris, neither of them really did anything. Uh, Gary Harris, seven points. He did make a three, one of two from three, two of five from the field, had three assists, a turnover, just kind of, you know, a routine night out there. Uh, Paul Millsap, you know, 31 minutes, missed all three of his threes, two from eight from the field. So not a great shooting night for him. He did have eight boards though, behind just uh, Jokic. Uh, Murray had eight boards as well. Wow. Didn't realize that. Um, had a block, a turnover. He did have four fouls. Um, again, didn't really do much. It was Jeremy Grant. Neither of us had Jeremy Grant as our purple player. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, who expected Jeremy Grant to have a better playoff series than Paul Millsap? I mean, maybe we should have because Paul Millsap's like 45 years old. But, I mean, <laughs> it, like I said, for the 13th time this episode, it is what it is. It's one of those nights. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jeremy Grant's not somebody you're focused on. His second leading scorer. But when you get three guys with over 20 points on your team, you should win most nights. Yeah. Um, doesn't really matter outside. I mean, they got 14 points from Monte Morris, uh, 19 minutes of play. They got nine from Porter Jr. They got seven from Harris, six for, from Millsap. Those points add up. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a combined 76 points from Grant, Jokic, and Murray. That'll get it done if you're the Denver Nuggets. You're happy with that at the end of the day, obviously. You know, getting 26 from Jeremy Grant is a huge boon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as for betting, it was also one of those nights for me. Uh, we did not uh, record before this game. Uh, some things came up. But we did text each other our picks. I picked the Lakers 110 to 100. I believe Daniel picked Lakers like 115, 109, something like that. Um, no, it was more than that because we both had the Lakers 18, covering. 106, I think it, it was what it was. Yeah, 
We both had the Lakers covering minus six and a half. Uh, neither of that hit, obviously, because they lost. And then Daniel had the over, which was 214. I had the under, the over hit pretty comfortably. Um, by uh, Not pretty comfortably, by six points, I should say. Um, so you are now tied. Or we are now tied, I should say, Daniel. You were 11 and 13. I'm 11 and 13. Um, I hate it because I was like four games over 500. Now I've, I've stooped down to your level. <laughs> yeah, you should have been talking. I'm going to take you over. Uh, we'll see, man. Do you want to do our picks right now for game four? Uh, yeah, sure. All right, so we got Lakers. This is a courtesy of the Action Network. Uh, there was a few different lines. I just went with the ones that I saw the most, so you might see something different on Vegas Insider, Daniel. Um, but I have Lakers minus six and the over-under at 214.5. Um, since I went 0-2, I guess I can go first. That way you can kind of gauge what I'm saying, maybe change your answer a little bit if you want. Or would you like to go first? I'll let you pick. No, you go first. I've been going first. Okay, so you have also been. just checked. I see it at minus six and a half and two fifteen. We could do that. That's fine. I'm fine with that. Minus six and a half and two fifteen. Oh, you're messing up our docs. Okay, so <laughs> I've picked the Lakers. Uh, they've been favorites both games, games two and game three. I've been picking them against the spread. They have not covered either night. Uh, they would have covered game one, I believe, um, and I think that was the night I picked the Nuggets. I'm gonna ride with the Lakers again. I think. They're going to be pissed off. They're going to be a little bit hungry. They know the importance of winning game four, even though, you know, you kind of don't want to go up 3-1 against the Nuggets. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe it's better to lose game four. Um, I think we're going to see a more efficient Lakers. Uh, every time they've shot really badly from three, they've rebounded really well. Um, this is one loss. You know, we have no reason. I, I'll get into that a little bit later. I do think Lakers are going to cover. I'm going to go Lakers. You know, I think it's going to be a great offensive night, Daniel. And I do think the Nuggets are going to have, have a good night as well, but they're not going to have as good of a night. I'm going to go Lakers 120, Daniel. That's a lot of points. Ooh. To Nuggets 110. So that is a total of 130, covering the over-under by 15 points. What are you thinking? All right. I'm going with the Lakers. Okay. And I'm going with the under. Oh, you've been the overman all series, switching it up yep. on me. I'm going with the under. I think the under or the uh, the total's a little high at 215. I mean, they just covered it bare would have covered that by five points. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go 105.97 Lakers. Dang, so that's a that's a difference of that's a lot of points. 15 plus 28 points total wise. Our picks are are different. Yep. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I think we just see a different pace of play. You know. For game four, which but we both see the same result in the Lakers. So yeah, yeah. Good. And the way I look at it too, like I said, um, and this is kind of what I want to touch on. You know, like I said, the Lakers shoot better. You know, they're scoring 115 to 120 points tonight. I wanted to ask you. I wanted to uh, toss this, you know, softball up to you. If Anthony Davis does not make that game-winning three in game two, assuming this game happens the exact same way, which Obviously, it might not happen the exact same way because the series would have been 1-1. There would have been a different type of urgency. Who knows? The Lakers would be down 2-1, though. You know, if AD doesn't hit that shot, they lose this game. They're up 2-1, but it's still not, you know, they haven't really, this kind of kept them from gaining complete control of the series. Should we, we, should we be worried in the slightest, Daniel? I'm not talking panic button. I'm just talking a little <laughs> bit of worry. Um, I'm not, like, overly worried but I will say that this 2-1 lead that the Lakers have isn't exactly a high-confidence 2-1 lead. Okay. Just given the last two games and the context that we kind of witnessed uh, 
game three was a blowout and the Lakers came back and then, you know, <laughs> game two, the Lakers were up by a lot and then the Nuggets came back. Yeah. Um, so it seems like it's a big back and forth battle. I think Nuggets have played better basketball than I expected. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say I'm overly worried though. I, I would say that I'm more cautiously optimistic. Yeah. I'm not, I'm usually the one to worry a little bit sooner than you. Um, but I'm not worried. I mean, the Nuggets have played better than I expected. I will give them that. Um, and maybe I should should have expected more considering they just came back from two three one deficits. Um, but, you know, yeah, the Lakers could be down 2-1. They're still the more talented basketball team. Anthony Davis still made that shot. You know, yeah, you could say if he didn't, but he did. Um, you could say a lot of what-ifs in basketball that could change everything. You know, what if something didn't happen with the Clippers? What if this? What if that? Um, I do think that, you know, it, them not winning this game makes it a little uncomfortable just because, you know, game four becomes so pivotal. If they're up 3-0, you know, we're talking about NBA Finals plans and whatnot. Um, but instead, it's 2-1. But again, I look at this game, tonight's game, I should say. If Anthony Davis just makes one three. So if Anthony Davis makes a three, he went 0 from 4. If Rajon Rondo makes a three, he went 0 from 3. And if Alex Caruso makes a three, he went 0 for 4. The Lakers have 115 points. Granted, the way the game would have shaped out would have been different. The Nuggets wouldn't have finished with exactly 114. There would have been the whole butterfly effect and whatnot. But, you know, that's three players that if they make one of their three attempts or one of their three or four attempts, they had a combined 11 attempts. If they each just make one of those, the Lakers have 115 points. Like I said, they haven't had back-to-back bad shooting nights in the playoffs. They're not a great shooting team, but I'm not worried. Now, game four, if the Nuggets win again, the Lakers have bad shooting, then I will be worried. So my worry meter is a pending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to look at it for sure. Yeah, so I don't know, man. I The Lakers, it's just on paper. This matchup is so good for the Lakers. Maybe I need to take my eyes off the paper and look at what's happening on the court. But, you know, they won the first two games. Again, the Lakers win this game. It's a completely different conversation. Even if the Nuggets look the exact same and the Lakers just happen to hit a few more shots, it would be a completely different conversation. So I'm kind of just looking at it like that. Um, we do believe yeah. momentum is important, though. So if the Nuggets win game four, a little worried. Yeah. And you know what? I'll just bring this up. The current like landscape, as far as the first three games go of this series, they exactly mirror the Heat Celtics Eastern Conference final series. I mean, one team wins two and then drops game three. Yeah. Are Heat fans worried? Nah. Yeah. Are Laker fans should Laker fans be worried? No. Because the gap is a lot bigger between the Lakers and Nuggets than the Heat and the Celtics, I would say. Yeah, and I mean you brought it up, we could just touch on it, and then I want to close the show with a little bit, you know, a little bit of a fun hypothetical. But um yeah, Celtics Heat. Uh the Heat took the first two games. Celtics took game three. Game four is tomorrow or today at the time when you're listening to this, or maybe yesterday at the time you're listening to this. It is on Wednesday, I believe. Am I correct? I know they took a weird like three-day break instead of a two-day break. Yeah, it is tomorrow, Wednesday, 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern. Uh, this is a huge game, Daniel, because if the Lakers are fortunate enough to be in the NBA Finals, you know, obviously this is who they playing, who are who they are playing. Celtics win this game. I think the Celtics are going to win the series, Daniel. The Celtics lose this game. I think I got to give it to the Heat, even though I've been uh, reluctantly, you know, ignoring the Heat this whole time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think if the Celtics do take game four, the momentum swing is uh, too much to ignore. I think the Celtics are a better team than the Heat. Yeah, but I would agree. again, like we've said a few times, the Heat now have only lost two playoff games. <laughs> so pretty impressive. They're 10 and two. 
Yeah, that's that's insane, man. Um, yeah, but the the Heat, you know, they're not going to blow a three one lead. I really don't think they will. You know, the Celtics are they good enough to beat the Heat three times in a row? Yeah, probably. But the Heat are just that gritty. There's those dogs, you know, they stay in every game. And one of those three games, they're going to steal with a, a crucial, you know, three at the buzzer or a crucial turnover, um, you know, steal or what block or whatnot at the end of the game. Um, it's going to happen. I can't see the Celtics beating them three times in a row. Now, if it's 2-2 and it suddenly becomes a best two out of three series, that is something, you know, I kind of favor the Celtics in. Um, like you said, I just think the Celtics are the better all-around basketball team. And, you know, We'll see, man. I mean, I've been I've been uh, ruling the heat out all playoffs. So, <laughs> yeah, true. I think they're gonna you're, they're gonna make you eat crow. <laughs> uh, the one little hypothetical I wanted to touch on before we wrap up today's show: Anthony Davis. He obviously made that game winner in Game Two. Yelled Kobe afterwards. You know, it was a great scene, great sight. Would have been huge to happen in the Staples Center. That game would have been in the Staples Center. Now, nothing's guaranteed in the future. We're not even guaranteed to win this series or win the finals. Is this Anthony Davis's, you know, career-defining moment thus far? I would probably say yes. And the question I want to ask you, is this like his official arrival as a true Laker? Yes, he's been a Laker all year. Um, did he kind of earn his pinstripes? Obviously, they don't have pinstripes. Did he earn the purple and gold with that buzzer beater, or does he have to win a championship to earn his purple and gold? I think that you can look at it from two different perspectives. I think number one, you can look at it like it's his defining moment. It's, a, you know, kind of the biggest play he's made as a Laker just because it was such a high leverage situation. But yeah. he's only been in the Laker uniform for one year. So I don't know if you can say that, you know, it cements him as like some stud Laker or something because it's been such a short term. Okay. Um, but I feel like if he re-signs with the Lakers, which all indications show that he will sign that max extension in the offseason, uh, you could look back at something like this and say, you know what, that's AD's defining moment. Okay. Now I got a question for you. Let's say Anthony Davis, he makes this shot. The Lakers beat the Nuggets in five, six games, whatever the case may be. Lakers go on to win the NBA Finals, and I'll throw this in there as well. He makes another buzzer beater game-winning shot. Um, it could be in game one, game two, game seven. I'll let you decide, Daniel. But then he leaves the Lakers. He never rejoins the Lakers again. He had one season of the Lakers, but he had two shots that led to a championship. Where does he rank all time in terms of just Laker greats? I don't think he ranks anywhere close. I mean, even if he's a part of a championship team, I think you got to kind of point to LeBron um, okay. in that conversation just because he's been with the team longer. I mean, if AD nixes the Lakers and goes elsewhere – I think Laker fans are going to be kind of upset. Um, so I wouldn't rank them amongst the greats that have won multiple championships or, you know, I look at it this way. To me, LeBron is not a Laker. He did his things with the Cavaliers. He did his things with the Heat. Yeah, he's wearing the Laker uniform, but I don't really think he'll ever be like a Laker Laker. Yeah. You know, he'll never go down to Lakers lore. Even if he wins a couple titles, I think it's it's kind of different. I don't know. Different feel. AD is one of the best talents to ever put on the laker uniform similar to lebron james he might be the most talented player to ever put on the laker uniform Ooh, that's a stretch <laughs> i well that's, that's really? a bold statement that's a bold statement so you're telling me that where would you rank lebron james all time I, I thought you were saying anthony davis 
Oh, I was saying LeBron. James. Okay, <laughs> I thought you were saying AD. <laughs> oh no, LeBron, LeBron James, LeBron okay. James. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, that's fair to say. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, AD is one of the best. One of the best to ever put on the Laker uniform. I would, I would say that he easily ranks in the top twenty in terms of raw talent. Um, but if he does leave, I don't really consider him a Laker, even if they win the title. You know, he he was a short-term Laker. He helped us win. He's pretty much a rental. I guess you can compare it to a baseball situation. Like if Manny Machado had a like a walk-off home run in game seven for the Dodgers when they traded for him, do you consider him, you know, one of Dodger greats? Probably not. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so let's say AD hits game seven buzzer beater over the Boston Celtics. Make it a little sweeter. Down two, and he makes a three. Do you rank him higher on the totem pole than Derek Fisher? No. Okay. That that tells me all I need to know. I was going to keep going, but I don't really know where else to go. Lamar Odom. Do you rank him higher than Lamar Odom? No. Oh, okay. Were you a Lamar Odom guy? Lamar Odom is my favorite Laker of all time. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that was a t- that wasn't a tough one. Okay, Sasha Vujacic. <clears throat> well, I hated Sasha, so that's an easy one. <laughs> I would take AD. Um. Yeah, man. I don't know. It's just one of those things. It's one of those stupid sports questions, you know, earnest pinstripes. Um, like you said, you know, all indications are AD. Now, let me throw this hypothetical at you. Let's say AD doesn't sign that Supermax. Let's say because obviously the salary cap is going to be a little bit lower than expected because of the coronavirus, you know, the um, revenue impact. Let's say he just takes his one-year player option and then leaves, and he wins two championships with the Lakers, including one of these buzzer beaters. Um, does that change? How does that change? You know, your outlook of him as a career, quote unquote, Laker. I would. It would obviously be more favorable if he was a part of two championship winning teams compared to one. Okay. Um, but to me, it's just it's a really tough question to answer because, yes, he's a part of the team, and he's a star on the team. I mean, he's LeBron James's co-star, but. I just I don't really see him cementing himself if he doesn't stay in a Laker uniform. Yeah. Among the greats, it, you cannot put him in the same breath as guys like, you know, even a James Worthy or a Michael Cooper, or anything like that. I just really don't think that, you know, if in a short-term tenure, you can put him with guys even like a Derek Fisher, a five-time champion. Okay, what you about this? He wins two throw him in there. He wins two championships, one Finals MVP. Does he rank higher than Pal Gasol? No, oh, absolutely not. Okay. He'd have the same amount of championships. I understand that, but no. Pal Gasol stayed a Laker. That's fair. That's he fair. was a Laker for a long so time. So what's the cutoff? If AD signs like one Supermax, like one five-year contract, wins like two or three titles, and then leaves, can we then consider it as him being in the conversation? Yes. Because if you really think about it, that would be comparable to Shaq. Yeah, that's true. And he'd be signing for his prime. Once he leaves, he wouldn't be in his prime anymore. Um, yeah, because, I mean, Sha- Shaq, I don't know off the top of my head how many years he played with the Lakers, but obviously they won their three titles. Yeah. Um, If AD were to win two, you know, in the same amount of years, I'd be able to put him in the same breath just because of the tenure. He played eight seasons with um the Lakers. So let's say AD plays – let's say he does his player option just for sake of argument and then signs a five-year – that's seven seasons. So, yeah, it'd be around the same. Um, yeah. But, you know, like you said, all signs are pointing to him kind of being a career Laker. Just in my head, I envision this being like, you know, he wins with LeBron, whether it be one, two, hopefully one or two, I should say. Um, 
you know, down the road, maybe we get a Giannis in a Lakers uniform. That would be interesting. Ooh, um, go but, read my article on Lake Show Life about Giannis Antetokounmpo <laughs> joining the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes, you uh, detailed that nicely. Um, but I, I kind of see AD being this guy where he wins with LeBron. LeBron gets old. He either leaves or doesn't become as big of an impact player. Maybe go le- goes and leaves to play with Bronny. I do think that is something that might actually happen. Um, and then AD kind of being the star. And then maybe they bring in someone like Giannis, who is obviously, you know, more well-rounded than AD, but it'll kind of be AD's team. Um, Just from the start, it's always felt like Laker fans like AD more just because there's always been a little bit of animosity with LeBron because of LeBron-Kobe, you know, comparisons and whatnot. Um, You know, I think this is the potential for the 2020 Lakers and the decade, I'm saying, being kind of AD's, you know, him being the face of the Lakers for the next, you know, decade, whether it's, Maybe not for the entire decade, but, you know, when you look at the decade as a whole, you know, starting this run with LeBron and then maybe parlaying that into a second run with a different co-star, kind of like Kobe did with Powell. Um, It's interesting, you know, we might be looking back at this in 10 years, you know, I'll be 32 years old. My 22nd birthday just passed. Shout out to myself. Uh, Daniel will be 29. And maybe we're looking at it like, dang, AD is one of the four greatest Lakers of all time. He has five rings, four finals MVPs. He won with two different guys. Who knows, you know, or he could bounce and he could go could go play in Chicago. I highly doubt it, but you know, it's one of those fun. What ifs in basketball? Yeah, absolutely. But if he does go on to have that, you know, decade longer kind of define the decade, I do think we look back at this moment as the, you know, this is when, you know, kind of, we all knew, even though we, we won't, we didn't all know, but we'll pretend in 10 years that we did. This is when we all knew that Anthony Davis was going to be a Laker for the rest of his life. So, <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like now we're not realizing it, but if he does, you know, kind of spearhead the Lakers for a long time uh, going forward, I think that this is kind of the start of his legacy. He he doesn't really have a legacy yet. You know, he's never been a playoff uh, like contender. He's never been on a playoff team that's contending uh, until the Lakers this season. So I feel like this is kind of his coming out party. Everybody's kind of (laughs) gotten like the taste of him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, game four, though, we know, got to get past the Nuggets before we talk about Anthony Davis winning multiple championships and being a lifetime Laker. Uh, next game, I believe, is Thursday, I want to say. They've Thursday. been doing some weird off days, two and three. Thursday. It's back to normal now. Okay, so, yeah, we have Thursday. Ooh, going up against Thursday night football. That might not be good for the league. Um, so expect an episode either Thursday night, Friday morning. Uh, recapping hopefully why the Lakers went up 3-1 and why we shouldn't be worried about the Nuggets coming back from a 3-1 lead. lead. And uh, Game 5 will be Saturday. Uh, That'll be our weekend content. In the meantime, go Lakers.